Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with ChristLives.org. Today our lesson is taken from Mark chapter 5 verses 22 through 34 and we continue our series of lessons about the servant Jesus. This lesson is entitled The Amazing Power of Faith. This section of Mark's gospel is filled with impossible cases. You know, if you look back at Mark chapter 4, verse 38, the disciples thought they were going to die in the storm. But Jesus was able to calm the storm with a simple command. No one could tame the demoniac, but Jesus set him free from his bondage with a simple command. As we move through the rest of the events in this chapter, we will soon discover that Jesus is more than adequate for every situation. There are no incurables with him. There are no hopeless situations with the Lord, and your situation is certainly not hopeless. Your loved ones are not hopeless. Let's read from God's Word. Again, Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 34. We're reading from the King James Version this morning. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of the many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around, about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Today we'll consider the account of the healing of this diseased woman. This portion of scripture has a parenthesis in the action. We've talked about parentheses before in the book of Revelation. See, Jesus is on his way to heal the daughter of Jairus, and he is interrupted as he goes by this woman who comes and touches the hem of his garment. As Jesus was walking this day, he was thronged by a crowd. The people were pressing in on him. In the crowd that day, there was a weak, timid, dying woman who reached out and touched Jesus Christ. And when she did, her life was instantly, completely, and permanently transformed. There are many of those here today in the sound of my voice that need a transformation. You need your life to be radically changed. That transformation can happen if you can just touch Jesus. Let's take a few minutes to consider this poor, diseased woman's condition. I want to talk talk and point out elements of her story as I preach on the amazing power of faith. First of all, verses 24 through 26 show this was a woman's disease. Her ailment 
we're told, was suffering from an issue of blood. This literally means that she was hemorrhaging or bleeding from some part of her body. The word issue here means a flowing of blood. Whatever may have caused this internal hemorrhage, she was a very sick woman. The verb tense here indicates that it was a continual flow of blood. Verse 26 speaks to her agonies. A constant flow of blood such as this would have caused this woman untold suffering. Let's take a moment just to examine some of the areas in which she suffered. Number one, she suffered physically. From the constant blood loss, this poor woman would have been very weak and anemic. She would have been pale. She would have had no energy. The least of efforts would have worn her out. The word plague is the same word that is translated whip elsewhere in the Greek. Her disease was like a scourge, beating her down constantly, day by day. The woman suffered medically. We're also told that she had tried all the remedies of all the physicians of her day. We are told that she suffered under their care. An example of their medical techniques can be found in the Talmud. There are 11 remedies prescribed in the Talmud. Some are potions, most are simply superstitious nonsense. Everything from carrying various concoctions of herbs, to frightening the sufferer, to having her stand over a ditch while someone says, Arise from thy flux, these were all things that were suggested as a possible cure. One remedy even called for the woman to carry an ear of corn taken from the dung of a white donkey. It is hard for us to imagine the kinds of indignities those doctors put her through. She would have had to suffer socially. She almost certainly was not married because through physical contact she would defile her husband. If she had ever been married, her husband would have probably divorced her. She could not work around others because of the danger of defilement. This reduced her to a life of begging scraps of food from a distance. Her condition left her on the fringes of society. Because of her illness, she would have suffered emotionally. Since the Bible says that she's had this, this disease for 12 years, and considering the average lifespan in those days, it is safe to assume that she has probably been this way since just after puberty. She has lived her life moving from one rejection to another. She's lonely, isolated, and desperate. This woman would have had to suffer religiously. Under the law, and you can, you can look at Leviticus chapter 15, 19, verses, and also verses 25 through 27, this woman was to be considered unclean. Anything or anyone that she touched was also considered unclean. As a result, she would not have been able to mingle with people in public, lest she cause them to be defiled. She could not go to the women's court of the temple because she was unclean. She would have suffered financially. The Bible tells us that she had spent all she had. The doctors and their useless remedies had not helped her. All they had done was drain her financially. She would have been left penniless and destitute. And then we see her anguish. After all the years, all the doctors, 
All the time she had hoped the remedy would be the one that would work for her, she's come to the place where she knows she is living under a death sentence. She will not get better, but she will die from this disease. And what she has will kill her. Her life is literally draining out of her body little by little and day by day. You know, I wonder how many people can identify with this poor woman. Maybe you don't have her illness, but like you, you're filled with suffering and sorrow. She does picture two types of people. Number one, this woman paints a clear picture of every person who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior. The lost are also defiled by a blood disease. They inherited this disease from Adam. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 12. This is a condition that has plagued the lost person since he or she entered this world. Again, Romans chapter 3 verse 10. Galatians chapter 3 verse 22. It is a condition made no better despite all the efforts of the sinner. You know, many lost people spend their entire lives searching for meaning and help for their condition, but instead of getting better, they only get worse. They only get harder in their hearts and more deeply rooted in their sins. All the efforts at self-improvement and religion will not help your condition. We see that this poor woman was in sad shape, but she isn't nearly as bad off as a person who's not saved. She was merely headed to the grave. They are headed to an eternity in hell. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Psalms chapter 9, verse 17. Number two, she's also a picture of that believer who is laboring under a heavy burden. Many of God's children are discouraged and defeated today. You've tried everything in your power to get better. You have tried everything you know to handle your problems. You've read all the books. You've listened to all the preachers. You've gotten advice from the best of sources. But you're no better. Your life is just as messed up as it ever was. Well, if that condition describes your life today, please keep on listening because as we watch this poor woman get the help she needs, we're going to find out about the help that we need as well. Let's look at the desire of this woman in verses 27 and 28. First of all, in verse 27, she'd heard a witness. Somewhere, this poor woman heard about Jesus from somebody. Maybe she'd heard how he'd healed the leper in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Maybe she had heard about the wild man just across the lake that Jesus had helped in Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. Or maybe some other poor soul who lived on the fringes of society due to an uncleanliness of some sort had been healed by Jesus and came in and told her about him. No doubt she had heard there's power in the touch of the Lord. In verse 28, we look at the will that she held, and regardless of where she heard about him, she knew she had to get to him. She had come to realize that Jesus was her only hope, and she believed with all her heart that if she could just get to him, she would be healed. She displayed her determination to get to Jesus by approaching him in that crowd. And as she elbowed her way through the people, she was causing ceremonial defilement for everyone she touched. Can you imagine the scene as she pushed her way through the crowd? She was taking a great risk here, for she had been recognized 
she would have been subject to public humiliation and ridicule. A crowd like that might have gotten worked up and beaten her or stoned her to death. For her, it was a risk worth taking. She believed that no matter what it was, Jesus would heal her. She had to be determined because of the very nature of this disease. It would have taken all the energy she had to drag herself out of her bed to struggle through that crowd to get to Jesus. She was desperate. Have you reached that place in your life? Have you come to understand that Jesus is the only hope that you have? If you're in the sound of my voice today and you're lost, you need to get to Jesus because he is the only source of salvation for you. Look at Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and John chapter 14 verse 6. If you have never trusted him for salvation, then you need to come to him. Jesus is your only hope. You need to touch him by faith. There are some here today that are also saved, but like this woman, are burdened and defeated. You need to touch him as well. The sooner you come to realize that Jesus is the only person who can help you, the sooner you can get the help that you need. Listen what he says to you. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. My memory's failing me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Why should you carry that burden one more step? Why should you fight your battle even for one more minute? Why should you live defeated for another day? You don't have to. Get to Jesus. He can and he will help you. Let's look at the deliverance of this woman. In verse 29, her deliverance was powerful. When she was near enough to him, she reached out a trembling hand and touched his garment. She may have touched one of the tassels hanging from the corners of his prayer shawl. Then, in that very instant, she received what none of the doctors or their costly and painful remedies could give her. She was healed. And instantly, she felt the change in her body. She knew she was a different woman. If you look at verses 30 through 33, you can see that her deliverance was very personal. As soon as this woman touches him, Jesus knows what has happened. Just for the record, he knew about it before it happened. He willed it. He knows that the virtue had gone out of him. This is a word that means power. We get our modern words dynamite and dynamic from it. Jesus knows what has happened, and he asked the question in verse 30, Who touched my clothes? Of course, there were dozens of people touching him and bumping into him that day, a fact pointed out by the disciples in verse 31. You see, her touch was different. It was a touch that was accompanied by faith. By faith. Many touched him. But only one touched him with the fingers of faith at that moment. Jesus sought her out because he wanted to give her more than a mere physical healing. He wanted to move her beyond her superstitious faith. He wanted to bring her to the place of salvation. And when Jesus spoke to this woman, he knows that she fell before him in fear. 
Here's the very reason she came silently from behind him to touch him, instead of coming to him openly. She was afraid of rejection. She must have expected Jesus to lash out at her for touching him. See, her touch would have made him ceremonially unclean until sundown. She needn't have feared that. Jesus was not interested in humiliating her. He was not interested in driving her away from his presence. He was not interested in preaching her a sermon on uncleanliness from the law. He was merely interested with helping her with her problem. But Jesus got the response from her that he wanted and anticipated. She came before him and bowed at his feet and confessed everything to him. This was a public acknowledgement. I want you to listen now. This was a public acknowledgement of what had happened in her heart. She was different and she wasn't ashamed to uh, tell others about it. Jesus wanted to move her past a small superstitious faith to a greater soul-converting faith. When I said this was a parenthetical verse in this chapter, remember, Jesus was on his way to heal the young daughter of a man named Jairus. You can see that in verse 23 through 24. This little girl is at the point of death. As Jesus makes his way to this man's house, he is surrounded by the surging crowd. And yet, in spite of the seriousness of his mission, Jesus takes the time to stop for this woman. At this moment, the crowd might as well not even be there. It has come down to just Jesus and this woman. To him, the woman and her need were more important than anything else. She was, for that moment in time, the focus and center of his world and attention. This woman, cast out, uncared for and unwanted had caught the had caught I'm sorry had caught the eye of God because she exercised simple childlike faith isn't that a blessing i believe that god who controls the path of every atom and every molecule in this universe has time for you when you call on him in faith he will make the time don't ever be afraid that he doesn't care. Never fear that he won't receive you. Do you realize this woman could have never touched him had he not become flesh? You see, God became a man in the first place so he could die on the cross. But he was also became a man so that he could be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He also became flesh so that we could touch him. No man could touch the deity. Jesus became a man so that he could identify with us and us with him. He became a man so that we could touch him. If you ever come to the place where you can summon the faith to get to him and touch him, I promise you, my brothers and sisters, you will get the help that you need. Jesus became a man so he could identify with us and us with him. He became a man so that we could touch him. 
if you ever come to that place where you can summon the faith to get to him and touch him again, I promise you, you will get the help that you need to. We see in verse 34 that her deliverance was profound. His words confirmed what she already knew had happened. I want you to notice something else. You look in the Greek. You notice that he calls her daughter. Notice that Jesus calls her daughter. This is the only time Jesus, Jesus ever calls a female by this name. Verse 34, write it down. This is the only time that Jesus ever calls a female by this name. The word signifies the fact that they are in a different relationship now. This is a word of tenderness, a word of peace, a word of acceptance. You see, she got more than physical healing that day. All her adult life, she has been an outcast, a nobody, dwelling in isolation and loneliness. But now she hears that she has been taken in by God. Her faith brought her into a soul-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. One minute, she was an outcast. The next moment, she was in the family of God. The word whole here is the same word translated saved throughout the New Testament. It means, listen, it means to be rescued from all harm and danger, to be kept safe and sound. Yes, she got a whole lot more than she bargained for that day. Just like this woman, all those who come to Jesus get far more than they ever bargained for. Many come to him because they're afraid of hell. And when we come to him, our faith is so small. We don't understand the deep things of the word of God. We don't understand the complexities and the nuances of theology. But when our little faith reaches out to him, he responds by giving us everything that heaven has. Then we begin the exciting journey of finding out about our riches in Jesus. We soon discover that we've got far more than just a fire insurance policy. Let's look at some of these together. Number one, we're children of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Number two, we have a home in heaven. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Number three, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Number four, we have a new life. See that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We are free from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Number six, we are no longer God's enemies. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. We have been reconciled to him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 19. We have been fully and forever forgiven. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. In verse 34, we see that her deliverance was permanent. He tells her to go in peace. His words let her know that she has done the right thing in coming to him and touching him. Any other man in that crowd would have been offended and angered had this diseased woman intentionally touched him, but not Jesus. He was not afraid of ceremonial defilement. It could not touch him. All he knew was that a woman in trouble 
had exercised a grain of faith the size of a mustard seed, and he only cared for her healing. You also know that Jesus did not ask for money for his services. What he did, he did freely out of love and grace. You see, the woman had already been healed, and she knew it. But these final words of Jesus, Thy faith hath made thee whole, drive home the fact that she was finally and fully free from her plague. She was healed, and life would never be the same again. Her battle with this dread disease was forever finished. She had received a brand new life from the hand of the Master. This woman experienced healing that day, not because she touched his garment, but because she exercised faith in Jesus and his power. When her faith touched his power, his power changed her life. Do you see the reaction? Do you need to get to Jesus today? There's help in getting to him. Whether you're lost in sin or whether you're battling difficulty, I promise you Jesus is your answer. If you have reached the point where all other remedies have failed, other means have exhausted themselves and you need help right now, I invite you to come to Jesus. You know, in that crowd that day, there were probably dozens of people with physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. But only one woman got help. Dozens touched Jesus, but only one was transformed. Why? Because only one person looked at Jesus through the eyes of faith. She believed he could help her, and she did whatever she had to do to touch him. And when she touched him, she was made whole. Don't be one of those people who simply brush up against Jesus and leave unchanged. If you need help today, come to him. He has the power to change your situation. If you need help, come to him and touch him by faith. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the time that we've had to read your word and to study your word. Father, I know there's people in the sound of my voice today, God, that need your son Jesus. They need to experience that life-changing healing that only touching Jesus and feeling the power of Jesus can provide. Father, I ask you to move on their heart. Wherever they are, whatever country they're in, move on their heart, Lord, and show them the seriousness of sin and the need to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, if there be others that have accepted Christ but have, have not lived a Christian life, Father, I ask you to move on their heart to rededicate their life to you. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. For his prayer, I ask in his most gracious holy name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you made a decision today, I would like to know about it. Um, please send an email to ministry at christlives.org or uh, visit our website at www.christ-lives.org and visit our contact page there and send us an email through that. If you would like us to pray for you, we honored to do so. 
Just you don't even have to leave your name. God knows who you are. But if you leave your leave your circumstance, I'll be happy to put your name in my prayer journal, and I'll leave it there. I say prayers for everyone from this from this show every single morning at six o'clock. My dear brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for your time today, and may God bless you and keep you. Amen. <laughs>